If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 14. And if you've been following along in chapter 13, we had Abram and Lot who had returned to Canaan, which was the land that God had given to Abram. And they started to have some family tiffs at this time. And the reason was is Lot who was Abram's nephew, thought that uh, the land over there where they were at wasn't quite big enough for the two of them. And basically wasn't big enough for them and the men who worked for the, uh, for the both of them. You know, Abram alone had 318 men. And Lot were, we're not sure how many he had, but obviously, obviously enough to where there was an overcrowding and some fights between each other's men. And, and territory always seems to be an issue. Um, we could see again there where, where I guess where our territorial demeanor comes from. Uh, where people are always fighting over, over space, over land, and so on and so forth. And Abram tried to address the issue by giving Lot the first choice of where, where to go if you want. If you want to take the right, I'll take the left. Or if you want the left, I'll take the right. But what Lot did was he looked across the land and he seen Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, and at that time it was a place of abundant resources. But unfortunately there was more abundant problems there as well. And we will see small kingdoms fighting over resources. And, and Lot was definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time as he got cut up in the middle of it all. Uh, the last message in chapter 13 I titled it, Don't Go. Okay, because again, there's there's always the demeanor of of looking for the greener grass. You know, we see places that that might be building up and flourishing, and everybody flocks over there. But then sometimes when that happens, there there comes a, a time where maybe sometimes people bite off more than they could chew, or things weren't exactly what they thought they would be. And and I'm assuming that live knew what Sodom and Gomorrah um, had reputations of as of being a wicked city and so on and so forth. But if that be the case, he still decided to go. Abram tried to stop him and, and plead with him that, that, that he shouldn't go. There's no reason for it. And, and there's an old saying about people. Okay, It's not always what you know, but who you know. Well, by association and relation, Lot had an uncle that was very resourceful. And Abram had God, who was the reason why he had what he had, and was able to do what he did by the protective hand of God, which, which is what we're going to see here, is, is basically a rescuing. Abram will go on a journey to rescue his nephew. And it's always funny when we hear the old saying such as, uncle, <laughs> or say uncle. And we know that it's said when someone is forced to submit when they're in pain or maybe captured in a, in a snare or whatever. You know, they, the opponent says, hey, give up, say uncle. And I think Lot may have been saying uncle at this time. But more so thanking uncle and thanking God for the help that's about to come. See, good things do happen when we submit to God. And, and the blessings um, is, is we don't have to, we don't have to, or, or we don't have to be forced to say uncle because when we submit on our own, he is the first to rescue us, our Lord. But what, what we need is, is, again, humility. And unfortunately, Lot in chapter 13 showed a little bit of the opposite, where Abram was showing the humility. Okay, the, the land of Canaan and all of the land was given to Abram. It wasn't given to Lot. 
And so therefore, we had a little bit of an issue there uh, because of what uh, what was going on with with the amount of people that were inhabiting the place, fighting over uh, the the cattle or whatever have you. The, the 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 men that were employed by both Lot and Abram were fighting over each other, and Lot basically decided to take sides with his men, where Abram was trying to uh, keep peace in the family. So we're going to see again. We're going to see the the results of of Lot's choices. And I don't know how how close Lot was with God. We know that Abram was the chosen one. We know that Abram was the one who built the altars. But we don't know where Lot stood. Perhaps Lot maybe got caught up in the in the aspects of the world or so on. But we will see where Abram's heart was, and we're going to see where God's hand was. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 14, and we're going to be looking at, at the great rescue here. And if uh, you have your Bible, join me in chapter 14 as I read verses 1 through 10. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar... Arioch, king of Elishar, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they may they made war with with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the the salt sea. Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer. And in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Chedorlaomer and the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephaim. And Ashtaroth, Karnaim, the Zuzim and Ham, the Emim of Sheveh, and Karathaim, and the Horites, and their mountain of Seir, as far as Alparan, which is by the wilderness. And then he turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and attacked all the country of Amalekites, and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hazazon Tamar. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim, against Cherodolamer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. So basically we can see why a lot of, a lot of parents name their children after New Testament characters after reading some of these names. So we have a bunch of kings that are mentioned. Shinar is, about, is around the Babylonian area of Iraq. And others were neighboring areas, as it says in verse 3, that they joined together around the Salt Sea, which is what we know as the Dead Sea. And to, uh, to the west of Israel, east of the sea, is what we know as Jordan, where, where Lot moved uh, to in Sodom, was located around the southeast part of the Dead Sea. So where Lot was, is he was in the area of Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah were neighboring cities. So what we're seeing is a rebellion against the king of this area. So what was the deal with him? Uh, areas and cities, basically, at this time, they had their own kings during these times with, with wars and rivalries. Uh, and conquered areas normally paid the victorious kings. So a handful of areas paid him for 12 years. And then they rebelled at the 13th year. 
So if you're familiar with biblical numerology at all, the number 13 is a representation of rebellion. Uh, perhaps maybe you've seen your children, depending on how old they are, if you could remember if they're older, perhaps you've seen your children change a little bit by the age of 13. And I remember myself at the age of 13 and others that I see around at the age of 13 that just they seem to raise the bar a little bit when it comes to certain ways. So number 13 really does kind of uh, uh, stand true in the biblical numerology. A lot of people look at it as a number of bad luck and so on and so forth. But in the biblical terms, it's a number of rebellion. See, archaeologists over the years have been finding many things and places in these areas, okay? Cities that were wiped out and never built again. But they have found uh, numerous archaeological evidence of, of certain things that remained. And to this day, they're actually still digging in those areas. So when we once again look at the name Genesis and its meaning, which is origin, we can see the origin of a form of ancient politics, so as, as kings and rulers were of these cities and areas, uh, we see throughout the time how traits merge into each other. Uh, wars and takeover, you know, keeping, good, uh, keeping the goods from the defeated and so on and so forth. This seems to be the perfect area for these types, okay? Because the asphalt pits that were mentioned in verse 10 were te technically like slime pits, uh, tar pits. See, these areas out, out here uh, were, are technically in the Middle East, which is very rich in oil. So when he mentioned it was by the asphalt pits, that was, that was technically where, uh, like where tar pits are. And so sometimes when we think of the, the good old days, it's not always as it seemed. Okay? When God flooded the earth in the days of Noah, everyone kind of seemed to pick right back up from where they started. Except now they are, there are some delegated rules uh, with, with things and certain leaders. You know, somebody had to be in power. Someone had to pay a form of taxes to these powerful cities uh, that overtook them in the past. And I say these things to bring up the roots of people's ways that, that bring up the question of why are things the way they are. See, and the Bible always reveals things in so many ways. And I, and I love that the Lord gives answers to those who care about his word. See, he reveals to those who, whose eyes and ears are open to his voice and his word. And, and so that, that is the key right there that we look at. Is certain things that, that people want to see, you can find it in the Bible. A lot of things people don't want to see can be found in the Bible as well. <laughs> but it's there and, we can, and it can't be ignored. But the answers are always in there. And I've always found it fascinating. And as we observed verses 11 through 14... We have, it says, Then they took all the goods of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshgalp and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So in, in the previous chapter, Lot made the decision again to move to the city. The message once again titled, Don't Go. And as the city was known for its wickedness, Lot unfortunately got caught up in, in some other dangers of warfare. You know, it, it was... It was a being in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
And sometimes places that seem to prosper are not always so glamorous when people go for the worldly things. And it was probably obvious that Lot was very wealthy, and because of that, he became an easy target. And, and what seemed enticing now became enslaving. You know, Abram was informed of what happened, and, and he was referred to as the Hebrew. And this is the very first time that the word Hebrew is ever mentioned here. It was actually in this chapter. So the word uh, Hebrew translated uh, cross over or to pass over is what it means, which is exactly what they did. When they were called out of, out of Ur of Iraq, they were crossed over in, into the land of Canaan, which is what we know as Israel today. And that's exactly what they did. He was also from, uh, also from Hebron where he lived. So that's where we also get the word of Hebrew from, from the area of Hebron. And Abram, he, he had 318 men that were trained in battle, which was actually very wise. You know, as you become wealthy, you become a target. And, and again, Abram having that many men who worked for him, it says volumes on his wealth. And even in our day and age, to have 300 people working in a company, that's actually a pretty decent-sized company, yet alone thousands of years ago. You know, Abraham was a Chaldean, which which they were pretty fierce fighters, and and we never knew Abram to be a warrior in physical battle, but God made him a warrior in all things, and and first in the faith, and and at foremost, first and foremost allowed him to do all things through God. See, when we see the heart of Abram, he he could have easily said, well, you know what, Lot made his choice. That's exactly what he gets. But Abram again originally told Lot that there's no reason for separation. But Lot seen the resources of Sodom and Gomorrah and decided to take the plunge. But you know, a loving uncle Abram was. You know, he departed all the way to Dan. And Dan is at the very northern tip of Israel, which is near the border of Lebanon. And this was a long trip. Uh, most people don't even want to drive that distance, you know. And the Abram decided to go ahead, and most likely, I don't know whether they had horse or mule, but it was if you had a Bible map near, you could see the locations from Hebron to Dan. It's not exactly a very close distance. So, so Abram definitely made quite a long trip, and, and it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing to see the heart of uh, of Abram when he had returned from Egypt and came back to the place where God had called him to. Now, we could observe uh, verses 15 to 20. And it says, He divided his forces against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Karelamer, and the kings of who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed and blessed be God the Most High, who has delivered your hand or your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. 
So Abram was not only wealthy, but also had military tactics behind him as well. See, this was the very first account of guerrilla-style warfare ever seen in, in history, as he strategically attacked at night. Uh, this was the first mention of this style of warfare ever. But, you know, verse 18 brings up a king called Melchizedek, which is the, the interesting thing. A worshiper of God, both a priest and a king, which was something that never was really seen. As Back in these days, or even later on, you were either one or the other. You couldn't be a priest and a king. It was very rare that you seen people uh, wearing two different hats. Now, it was, it was seen with certain people, but it was very rare. And the ones that were in that position were definitely some of the most special people. You know, Melchizedek, he was a, um, somewhat of a mystery. The king of Salem, which is, uh, Salem means peace, okay? And Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And we have no record of where he came from. There was no genealogy or anything on him. Uh, some people believe that it could have been Christ in that day, is what we uh, what we refer to as a Christophany. And Salem was where we know today to be Jerusalem. So during this time, as Canaan was called Canaan, the region of Salem was now Jerusalem, the holy city. And we, we see that bread and wine were brought to Abram, which is what we know what Christ had brought at communion for the Last Supper. And we could see a little bit in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to look real quick at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 4. And it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abram gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham, Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. So there was no mother or father, no idea what came of him in life or death. But he was here, and he knew Abram. You know, was Melchizedek Christ? It doesn't say that he was. In the Hebrews it says that he was like Christ. It doesn't say that he was, but many think that it was, due to the scripture in the book of John chapter 8. You know, Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders, uh, which were the Pharisees. And Jesus said that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he's seen it. And they said, what do you mean Abraham's seen you? You're not even 50 years old. See, Abraham was well over a thousand years old before the birth of Christ. So, is it a possibility? Well, only those who are in heaven really know for sure. You know, Abraham actually recognized the greatness of Melchizedek by giving him a tithe, which was a tenth of his possessions as a gift. And again, the first time we see such, tithing came later on in the Bible when God established the Levite priesthood as a command. But as where Abram did this as a gift to the king. And Abram showed great faith and he showed great character for someone of, of extreme wealth, uh, which will be seen in the next verses. You know, the giving wasn't viewed in the amount, 
but but viewed in the heart of Abraham, Abram of why he did it was the true importance. You know, after all, where your heart is is where your treasure will be. You know, as well as the truth of it all is we can't take anything with us. You know, money does not go, but it can be sent ahead somewhere. And, and we go with our spirit and what we've done with our time here on earth. The money is not something that, uh, that we can take with us. So therefore, you look at Abram's heart and he really he did it out of, out of strictly giving, out of a gift. Uh, there was no commandment for such. He just decided to do so on his own heart. And God had seen it that that was good. And we look at verses 21 through 24. And then it said, Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to God, most high, the possessor of the heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Anor, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. And chapter 14 ends right there. See, in normal circumstances of war, they, they would take the possessions of the fallen. But see, Abram wanted none of it. He had a motive outside of conquering for goods. You know, he did away with some tyrants, yes, but it was solely in the rescue of his of his nephew Lot. His men got to uh, his men got to you know Abram uh, orchestrated the battle. He led the battle and he won the battle. So he he allowed his men to take certain things because of the food and the resources. But his recognition was to God giving thanks with three hundred men. Okay, or 318 men to be exact. We don't know how many was on the enemy camps. But you see, normally those who, who God sent into battle were normally outnumbered by the enemies. But they were always victorious by his plan. See, as we observe the earlier times of the Bible, and Genesis being the earliest time of mankind, you know, it's always a blessing to see God's hand on those who holds his hand. You know, reading and teaching other books of the Bible over the years and seeing God's provisions and, and protection on people is just fascinating. You know, even more so on those who did things that weren't always right, God delivered those who repented. Which we know that the word repented means to turn back. And, and these simple truths, you know, they pack a lot of power as, as Abram gave his life to God. And God did things beyond his, his, his thoughts his imagination you know some may see the abundant wealth and say well yeah that was it others may see the ownership of the land God gave him but that's great and all but the only thing that the land did is give plenty of space uh, for people to be buried when it was all said and done Uh, but when it was all said and done it came down to the final destination being in the presence of the one who blessed him and chose him which was God himself you know, it's going to be a blessing to see the things he did for his people. And, and more so for me, it's a joy to make it known, as the Bible will show us. And with prayer, I pray that you will see the things continually in your own life as well. Because the blessings and the provisions, they didn't stop 2,000 years ago uh, when the Bible was last written. 
you know, they're continued to this day. You know, a lot of people a lot of people forget that that the Lord is still still here making provisions for his people. You know, we're only here for a time. Some of us a long time, some of us a very short time. But the time is God's and and he gave us the time. And, and it's such a blessing again to see as we're just starting out we're in Genesis we're scratching the surface even a quarter to a halfway through the Bible we're going to see so much and, and still through a quarter to a halfway through you've still scratched the surface and when you finish the Bible and you read it again it, it, it can never be fully fully done, said and done and said and we can't even say I've had enough because if you've read it more than once you you are revealed more and more you know I've read Genesis numerous times taught, had it taught numerous times but something new always comes and that's the beauty of God is, is he's always revealing something and he reveals himself through his word. He reveals himself through prayer. So again, you know, as we look at as we look at what he did through Abraham, you know, God did choose him. And God did bless him, but you know, most more than anything, Abraham just held on tightly to, to the hand of God. And that's what God wants. You know, there's there's three things that, that that I've seen God really approve of in us. It's faith, it's obedience, and it's humility. And throughout the Bible, you're going to see those three aspects that seem to really get His attention, that really seem to get His approval. So as we go on, I, I pray that that we don't just take this as a good read. But that we take this as as a as a blueprint in our lives and, and and a stairway to eternity. Because again, we're only here for a time, and God wants us to make the best of it. Because we all have a destiny here on earth, and our destination and our destiny is heaven. But the legacy that we're going to leave behind is what's really going to matter here. And the legacy we leave behind is also taken with us too into His glory. So if you want to receive the Lord Jesus into your heart, the Son of God, who think who many think that maybe possibly King Melchizedek was, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. All we know is, is that Christ was there from the beginning. He made it known in the, in the book of John to those religious leaders. And the only way to make it into, into the kingdom is through Him. And so if, if you want to know God, if you want to be a part of God, if you want to go to heaven, there's one simple way to do so, and that is through a simple prayer that you can repeat after me. So if you feel that the, the Holy Spirit has led you and if you feel that even through this through this one chapter where God allowed Abraham to rescue his nephew 
we too are always in need of rescue. And by receiving the Lord, the greatest rescue is done right then and there. So if you feel led, then repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Father, I receive you in my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Father, wash me of my sins. And Lord, receive me into your kingdom, Lord, as I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for having me, Lord, as I receive you now in my heart. May you receive me into your kingdom, Lord. For Father, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you once again for having me in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, God bless you if you've said that prayer. And remember, as I will repeat this constantly, that after saying this prayer, the next thing will be to stay the course. Now, many trip and fall throughout life. Every single one of us does. But God's there to pick us up. So prayers are with you always. And I pray that this will find you wherever you're at. Because the Lord finds you and reaches you wherever you're at. So remember that and be in prayer constantly and and be close to Him. May God bless and keep you and your families. And may you walk closely at all times. God bless you.